chapter. Lord, thank you for Calvary. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the wisdom that descends from above. God, thank you for brooding over us and breathing on us already this morning. Lord, take and touch this particular meeting. Take and touch these assemblies. Lord, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all the Lord's people said, Exodus and the fourth chapter. The Lord's been so good to us. Where's my new handkerchief, Pastor? He said he's got five of them for me. Hallelujah. I don't have any burgundy purple ones. I sure don't have a yellow one. Caution. Thank you. Exodus and the fourth chapter. Hallelujah. I'm checking out my new handkerchief. You could take a nap under this one, my soul. Have supper. Swaddle a baby. This is quite the napkin here. Handkerchief. Hadn't the Lord been real good to us? I bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Mighty sweet in here just about got carried away. Thank the Lord. Exodus and the fourth chapter. Thankful for this meeting. I believe the Lord will honor the fact that we've taken the Christmas season and made it a Christ season. Uh, We don't need to get caught up in two things. Commercial Christmas. American materialism. Don't need to get caught up in Catholic Christmas. Pagan holiday and pagan tradition. Christ mass. Uh, Go do some study. It's interesting. I shouldn't distract your minds. But September the 25th is probably the Lord's birthday. You go look at that and study that. Take me to Waffle House. We'll talk more about it. But the Jews and the Bible have a traditions and numbers and histories. And you can go all the way back. Luke's genealogy takes you all the way back from Adam to Adam, from Adam to Jesus. And uh, 4,000 years, you'll hear 4,004 because of the difference in a Roman calendar and a Jewish calendar. But uh, I believe the chicken came before the egg. God made the earth old, and he made the heavens old. Everything was full grown when it got here. And uh, we're somewhere a little over 6,000 years that man's been on earth. And uh, uh, if those six days of creation and on the seventh day they rested, if that thousand year system is right, and I believe it probably is. The day of rest is getting real close. The millennial reign. And I bless the Lord for it. He's a mighty He's a mighty good God. And uh, we need to be careful not to get caught up in commercial Christmas and don't get caught up in Catholic Christmas. 
Amen. Young couples, cut up all your credit cards. Don't go into debt over Christmas. Unless the Lord lays it on your heart to do something for your favorite evangelist. And uh, then you go ahead and just do whatever needs to be done. <laughs> That's Dave Ramsey slash Dean McNeese. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Lord will help you. <laughs> or you call a couple of your friends. They'll help you. Brother Burke, I appreciate you having the faith to not be afraid to have a meeting in December. And shame on Christians that quit being Christians for a month to honor the Lord's birthday. (laughs) Wow. People that don't tithe so they can buy Christmas. That's weird, ain't it? To honor the Lord's birthday and so don't quit giving Him that that month. And... uh, Thank the Lord. Voice done got sweet in here. Uh, I'm going to tell you about my camp meeting. We're starting back up. We closed five years ago. The Lord closed it down, and then COVID came. The Lord's going to have me start the camp meeting back up. I'm going to be in Rome, Georgia, where my sister and her husband have started pastoring. Rome Baptist Temple, where Billy Goolsby used to be. And uh, that's the last full weekend in February. And the preachers will be coming from different places. And singers will be coming from uh, America's Georgia. <laughs> Whether you know it or not. And you're going to hear things if you come to the meeting like, David and Tanya, y'all come up and sing. I'm going to say it whether he's there or not. Somebody says he's not here. I'm going to say, where is that skunk, that rascal? I'm going to say things like, Lori and the girls, y'all come on. Dewberries. Boy, that was good. That was sweet. And uh, I don't know if I say something like, Brother Sam, Brother Lee, duet time. <laughs> yeah, I'll join in making a trio. If they struggle, I'll make up the difference. I think. I've got a strong baritone at times. I've sung with all the best groups across America. They didn't know it and they didn't ask me, but I did anyway. Somebody said, if Brother Dean starts singing with you from the front row, it's either really, really good or really, really bad. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't never refer to yourself in the third person. That's not a good sign of mental health. Exodus 4. <laughs> Old Dr. Bob Gray in Florida said, a man that wears a polyester suit and cowboy boots and refers to himself in the third person, stay away from him. <laughs> I have been guilty of all three. Just not all three at the same time. I couldn't afford boots when I had the polyester suits. <laughs> Amen. I got my boots and got new suits, and then the, the third person started coming after age 50. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, my. I feel the weight of our responsibility, Uh, Brother David. My father's gone. Your father's gone. Brother Sammy's gone. And and, uh, Brother Buster's gone. And your daddy's gone. And your old pastor's gone, see. Don't you feel that coming on us? I'm 54, and I'm 
And uh, I'm not old enough to be old, and I'm not young enough to be young. And uh, somebody said at age 40, uh, you no longer feel good. At age 50, you start feeling bad. At age 60, you get diagnosed on why you've been feeling bad. <laughs> at age 70, you give all your money to them so you can stay alive. And at age, age, age 80, you wish you could die. <laughs> so there you go. It's a wonderful future. I told the pastor this morning I'm allergic to tornadoes. I may not come. <laughs> All right, I gave you enough time to find Exodus. The Lord's put this in my heart in recent days. been preaching it in the churches. The Lord had me looking at Nehemiah, how to have a revival. Nehemiah did. And in the midst of sanctifying the sheep gates, of Nehemiah 3, that's the first place Nehemiah started, was in the Sheep Gate. While preaching that for a few months, the Lord put it in my heart one day to look at sanctification. To go look at Moses and Aaron and how the Lord sanctified them for the divine purpose in their life. And so, I've been looking at Moses a while. Chapter 3, verse 5, he sanctified his feet. Look at it, 3, 5. Take your shoes off. From off thy feet thou standest on holy ground. Exodus 3, 5. And then chapter 4, verse 2, he sanctified his hands. What is that in thine hand? Now, I've not made it to Aaron. I look forward to studying that high priest. Washed him with water, anointed him with oil, sprinkled him with blood to go in, to go in the holy places, to go in the holy of holies. We've kind of been in the inner chamber today. In Genesis, we went down. In Exodus, we got out. And in Leviticus, we go in. And in Numbers, the wilderness one, we go through. And in Deuteronomy, Moses was taken to heaven, we leave out. The book of Genesis is our sin story. That's where we went down. Exodus, thank God for a, a sacrifice lamb and a bloody doorway. That's how we got out. Help me now. Leviticus, we are taught to go in to his inner chambers. And then Numbers is the story of the wilderness journey. Aren't you glad God can bring us through this life? And then Deuteronomy is where God took Moses on to heaven. Now, I'm looking at the call of Moses, the sanctification of Moses. This morning, I'm just going to give you an overview of the chapter. I'm really going to try to do that. The Lord will help us. There are a few things in here, and I'm going to give you the overview. I'm going to quit preaching at Hungry 30. He'd called him. This bush began to burn. Moses had been on the backside of the desert. He'd had a call on his life. He got his timing messed up. Tried to deliver the children of Israel. Only ended up killing a man. Killing an Egyptian. Forty years later, God shows up, the bush burns with fire, the voice of God speaks, I am that I am, causing. And this is the story of the call of Moses. 
It's interesting that we can mess up timing, God's timing in our life, take things in our own hands. Look at when Moses tried to deliver the children of Israel in his own power. One Egyptian got killed and Moses had to leave. But when God did it in his power, a whole bunch of Egyptians got killed and Moses got out. Y'all ain't helping me. The difference in us doing things in our own power and the difference of when God's in charge and he's doing it in his power. We do things in our own power, there's a failure. But thank God he'll come back around again and he'll do things and if we learn some lessons, God will do it in his power. And a lot of victories take place. So I want to ask you these questions in verse 2, underline this. Moses was arguing with God. He said in verse 1, but, he said, but. <laughs> Exodus 4, 1, but. And then he told God, behold. <laughs> hey, y'all, that's probably two things you should never say to the Lord. <laughs> but. <laughs> Why don't you just say Yes. Don't make me preach that. Won't you just say yes instead of saying but? And then why would you tell God, behold? What do you need God to look at <laughs> that you think he hadn't seen? Behold! The Lord's like, what? What? Is there something I've not seen? What do you want me to look at, Moses? Aren't we something we want God to uh, listen to us and look at what we think that he can't see? Oh, don't y'all think we ought to just trust the Lord? But behold, he said, they, is that the next thing? I'm not sure. They, okay. Why are we talking about other people when God's talking to us? They will not. Well, obviously you won't either. (laughs) Help me now. Woo, Lord, they will not. Moses, you will not. (laughs) What? Why are you talking about what they won't do? You're the one that won't do. They will not believe me. Well, neither will you. (laughs) God, I'm thinking out loud. Moses, they will not believe me. That's funny, coming from a man who won't believe God. Nor hearken unto my voice. (laughs) Moses, you won't hearken to God's voice. You're telling me what's wrong with other people, but you're the one guilty right now of what you're thinking others will be guilty of. Y'all got to talk to me. Isn't that something? Let me say this, friends. We ought to be accountable to each other. There ought to be accountability in the church. There ought to be accountability with brothers. There ought to be accountability one with another within the flock. There is a church discipline. But... uh, and in the same vein, quit worrying about everybody else. You won't believe God. Why are you worried about they won't? Maybe that's why you think they won't, because you won't. Talk to me. This is going a little slower than I thought, but it's good. They will not believe me. They won't. Well, neither will you. The Lord directed my heart the other day. I had a awful matter with a brother. And... Uh, Bad situation. And I went to the Lord about it. How am I supposed to act in this with this brother who's not doing right? 
And the Lord surprised me with his answer. He scolded me rather than him. Holy Ghost told a scripture in my heart. I went and looked in my Bible. I got in my prayer closet. I think it's Romans 14. He said, uh, judge not thy brother. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Judge this rather, that you don't put a stumbling block in your brother's way. I need a little help. I, I didn't think the Lord was going to smack me in the head. I thought me and the Lord needed to smack that man in the head. I was just asking the Lord how soon I could smack him. And the Lord said, uh, Dean, uh, let me talk to you. I'm just telling y'all, that's the scripture he gave me. There's 25 other scriptures he could have given me where we'd have smacked his head. But the Lord said, uh, why dost thou judge thy brother? Judge not thy brother. That's what he told me about the situation. And he said, judge this rather, that you don't cause your brother to stumble. We'll all stand before the judgment seat. Give account of ourselves to God. And I said, okay. Quit worrying about him. Worry about you. So I said, yes, Lord. Left that thing alone. And went to judge myself. So here's Moses, and he's arguing. Now in verse 2. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? So if the Lord will let us, we might preach this this week. Verse 2, underline it. What is that in thine hand? My, my, my. Did you know that God only needs, He only needs what you already got? God can use you just like you are. Moses was telling the Lord how this ain't going to work out. The Lord said, well, what, what is that in thine hand? You know, you don't have to be Brother Dean for God to use you. Nobody needs to be Brother Burke but Brother Burke. Brother David, uh, you be brother, You ain't got to be Brother John. Gone to glory. What is that in thine hand? Everybody wants to blame everybody else in verse 1, and then they want to say that God should use somebody else because I'm nobody. Well, what is that in thine hand? He'll use what you got. He'll use who you are. He's come by. What is that in thine hand? There's some mighty good Bible studies in the following verses. What is that in thine hand? Then go to verse 10. And, and here he began to really specify his excuses. Moses got specific in laying out some reasons why this is not a good idea for God to use me. And Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since. Now, he said, I wasn't no good before, and I'm not any good now. Nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. Now, I find two kinds of people in God's church, and there's people on the front row saying, not to pick on you, I'm somebody, and why aren't y'all using me? And then I find people on the back row who say, uh, I, I'm a nobody, and I don't want to be used for anything. 
Well, we probably should all move back a little and move forward a little. And those of you saying, oh, why don't they use me? You might ought to sit down and be quiet and just be glad God saved you. And then people on the back need to quit running and hiding and making excuses and step up and say, Lord, I'm willing to be used. Y'all think somewhere in the middle is where we should be? Second thing to write down. What is that in thine hesitation? Why are you hesitating to obey God, to believe God? What's the hold up? Why are you hanging back? Why, why are you making excuses? What is that in thine hesitation? Boy, I like the Lord's answer. The Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb? Or deaf? Or the seeing? Or the blind? Have not I the Lord? And I love verse 12. Now therefore what? Help me here, church. Now, therefore, what? Go! And what did he say in verse 12? Now, therefore, go and you figure out how to do it. No. Now, therefore, go and then hope it works out. No. Now, therefore, go and lean on the wisdom of man, the strength of man. No. What did he say? I'll be with thee. I will be with thee. What is that in thine hesitation? There's some great, great promises down through there. Come to the third part. What is that in thine hand? God dealt with that. What is that in thine hesitation? And God dealt with that. We may come back and preach these. Each one of these deserve their own study. Underline this in verse 24. Hmm. And it came to pass by the way in the end that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Wow. What? This is one of the most startling scriptures. This is one of the most surprising, one of the most disturbing Christians. Disturbing passages in the scriptures. God is in the middle of a chapter where he's calling Moses and all of a sudden he's killing Moses. All of a sudden he's come to, he came to call him and then he's coming to kill him. And his wife took and circumcised that, that boy and brought the blood in there and brought obedience in and God spared him. And the Lord let him go. Now let's read it. It came to pass by the way in the end that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So he let him go. God let him go. Now, I'm resisting the temptation to get into this scripture right now. But let me ask you this. What is that in thy home? Something was wrong. Moses had disobedience. Moses was not in alignment with God's God's commands and God's law. He knew from Genesis 12. He knew from Genesis 15. He knew from Abraham about this circumcision. The man that was going to give the law surely ought to be in line with the Lord and the law. 
didn't have his own home sanctified. This is a fascinating piece of scripture. I look forward to getting into it. May get into that one tonight. There's little shades of Christmas here. I shouldn't call it Christ Mass, but that's how you would understand it. Here's an end. A few verses before, Brother David, Moses saddles his ass and takes his wife and heads down to Egypt. I mean, there's real close similar pictures of the Christmas story. And in the end, Herod was seeking to kill Jesus and God seeking to kill Moses. It's some interesting parallels. We'll look at it. Look at it later. God had just told Moses, go tell Pharaoh, I'm going to kill his firstborn son because he's threatening my firstborn son. Look at it. It's in verse 21, Exodus 4, 21. And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou... And so he tells him in verse 22, Thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. Interesting little note. We'll maybe look at these things later. Israel was not the firstborn, but God said he was. So I'm going to go with that he was. He was not the first boy born to him. But God said he was. Hmm. Said the same thing about Isaac. Now we all know Ishmael was born before Isaac, but God said that's the only begotten. That's. Am I? Verse 23. And I say unto thee, let my son go that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. Now, he just put a legitimate threat on Pharaoh's boy. And then he come down there to kill Moses' man because he hadn't sanctified his boys. I'm going to say something to you. God's not playing games. I don't care if you're Pharaoh or Moses. The fear of God's missing in this modern day American church. You know, a lot of you Southern Baptists and your Protestant boys, it's all just real polite society and they give little life lessons. A lot of you independents that claim to believe the King James Bible and then they, they claim to believe the Word of God and then you wonder to know the God of the Word. They don't be worried about everything except things they should be worried about. That fear of God? Where is that? We can get into this later, but it's amazing to me that in the middle of his calling, there was nearly a killing. What about he didn't threaten to kill Pharaoh, but he threatened to kill Moses? You understand God deals with his children and he just puts the heathen over in a corner until it's time to judge them one day? You're much more likely to go to an early grave being God's child than being the devil's child. Somebody said, why is it going so good with the heathen? Because it ain't their judgment time yet. Thank God for me and you, it's judgment time every day. You say, that's awful, that's wonderful. 
if your if your daddy is faithful to discipline you children, you may not enjoy the whipping, but you ought to thank God your daddy loves you. And some kid out here, and I'm not from a broken home, and his daddy don't whip him, his daddy don't hug him, his daddy don't even see him. Well, that kid don't ever get a whipping, but that kid ain't got a daddy. I'd rather have my father, even if he has to chasten me. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, my. What is that in thy home? And then lastly this morning, we'll pray to get our meeting started. She brought the blood in the picture and it saved him. <laughs> she brought the she brought the shed blood of a firstborn son in the in the home and it saved everybody. Y'all ain't helping me. <sighs> Thank God Calvary comes in the picture. I've never seen Calvary in this till I got in this. So here came the blood, verse 26, and God let him go. So verse 27. And I want to ask you all this. What is that on thy hill? Here's a hill. (laughs) Here's a hill where the lawgiver meets the lamb giver. (laughs) Moses was the man called to give the law. Aaron was the man called to eventually he's going to give the lamb. Aaron the high priest is going to be the one to carry that lamb's blood in that holy of holies. The lawgiver meets the lamb giver on a hill and they kiss. Let's read it. Verse 27. <laughs> Woo! I know I didn't develop the thought for you to enjoy it, but I'm going to enjoy it anyhow. And the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. (laughs) Aren't you glad that our high priest came into the wilderness and he met the law? And he went and met him in the mount of God. I didn't even know where that mountain was. Right here. And then I went and studied it. And now, and I still don't remember what it said. (laughs) But it's the mount of God. And what happened? And he kissed him there. Reconciliation. Family relationship. Greet the brethren with a holy kiss. Fellowship. No longer at odds. Not at odds. I know I didn't develop none of it, but enjoy it by faith. Thank God there was a meeting at Calvary's Hill and the law met the lamb and the lamb met the law and there there was reconciliation. I was just two verses ago. I was fixing to get eternal judgment and then all of a sudden I'm meeting a man on the hill. <laughs> Woo! I may have shared December the 10th testimony around the country a little bit. I try to spread all the good news I can and a little gossip. You know, it's very innocent. Never intended to be malicious. It's mean people get a hold of gossip and make it awful. You know, 
I'm teasing. I probably shared his testimony a place or two. Bless my heart. Old brother John would be up here doing the one-legged whoop hop that he did. Whoop! The shouting and a jump. His convert standing up there shouting and brother John doing the one hop. <laughs> I still look for him when I hear at the camp meeting or here at meetings sitting over there between Tommy Jolly Derry Barry, what a name. Come on. I talked to him two weeks ago. Invited him to my camp meeting, told him that all the America singers would be singing. So there. And uh, I met his son, met his son in a meeting the other day and sat down and talked to him for an hour. But uh, sitting right over there, I still wait and say, sometime I'm looking for it, you know. I'm not used to my dad being gone. I'm not used to your dad being gone. And I look for him to come out of that corner because I sat there and couldn't see him. But then here he'd come. You But you'd see the foot first <laughs> in the air, <laughs> shouting. Hollering. Never, I never really understood what he said. Just about every fourth word he was mad about something or happy about something, but it blessed me. Brother Hubert always moved the flowers. He wanted to see them grandkids because I know that because when he'd come back from moving the flowers, he'd go see them grandkids. <laughs> I'm glad I've been up on a mountain. I'm glad I've been up on a hill. I'm glad some old men took me up on a hill. What is that on thy hill? I was fixing to get eternal judgment. God threatened to kill Pharaoh and his and then come to my house to kill me. And next thing you know, somebody brought the blood in and brought the firstborn son in. And next thing you know, I'm on a hill with the Lord and there's a kiss. Got me started on Brother John with Brother December. Hallelujah. Oh, my Good to be saved, ain't it? And I'm going to tell you the reason. God, when God calls you in the first verse, the reason you ought to go is because of what's in the last verse. There was a hill. He gave me everything so I could live. I ought to give him everything and live for him. Let's bow our heads. Let's stand to our feet. We can go mull these scriptures over today. Lord willing, in the next three services, I'll try to preach out of this chapter for our pianist to come. Are you saved? Have you ever have you ever put your trust in the Lord Jesus? If you've never been saved, why don't you come to the altar? You better before it's too late. Come while he's calling you. Then how many have been saved, but you've been making excuses on why you can't serve God. You've been telling God what's wrong with everybody else. The same things are wrong with you. Why don't we come around these altars and let God be obedient to God? Then I ask you, as many are willing and able, while other people are doing business with God, would y'all meet me around this altar and let's pray for this meeting. If you want to come sit on the front, you may have a bad back, bad health, come and sit on the front. Church, let's kneel and pray and ask God to meet with us.
Brother David, we'll sing in a little while. You can pray. Sit with your wife and pray. We'll sing after a little, a little while. Let's call on the Lord. Sisters playing for us. Let's just call on God. Ask Him to help us. Ask Him to watch over us. Ask Him to work in our hearts and our lives. Oh, Lord. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Brother David, would you stand and pray over the altar call, my friend?